space. The final frontier. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Look at that, Sarah. You got Rocket Man for intro music, and I played the space intro, I remembered. I'm, in, I'm impressed. Well, you reminded me, well. which is why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost impressed. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's, uh, we actually, wow, that's pretty good for us. That's that's well done. That's how we like to intro a segment every time, but somebody forgets, and it's usually me. Um, just a reminder, the Daniel Smith interview happened at 10 o'clock, and I, I'm sure we'll put it on the podcast. If, if you if you check out the podcast, wherever you get podcasts, you just put my name in there, and it'll come up, and sooner or later, the interview with Daniel Smith will be there. And then a reminder, Rachel Notley will join us tomorrow at 10.05, and uh, we'll have a chance to sit down and talk to her about uh, some of the issues of the campaign thus far and um, get her response, okay? Now, this I'm looking forward to. You know, we like to get into spacey stuff every once in a while. This is really, really cool. And it's one of those things that's kind of like, how, how do you even do this, right? I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me, some of this stuff. But you know the Mars rover Perseverance? It's that little robot. Um, it's currently running around, doing its thing up on the surface of the red planet, which is hundreds of millions of kilometers away from Earth. Okay, so wrap your head around that to begin with. Second of all, it's running around, and part of its job is to collect samples, rocks from the surface of that planet, rocks that ultimately will be brought back to Earth, which again, we'll talk about a feat of engineering, and they will be studied here. Now, that's a very, very complex process, no question. How do you even determine what kind of samples you want? Well, a University of Alberta scientist is on the team tasked with that very mission. How do we figure this out? And he's with us now. Chris Hurd, professor of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences, University of Alberta. His job is to help determine which samples could ask, answer the most important questions about Mars. Chris, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here. Oh, my pleasure. Help me wrap my head around some of the logistics here. First of all, how are these samples even collected? What is it that Mars rover Perseverance is doing up there right now? Well, for the first time ever, we have not only a really great rover with all kinds of really good instruments on board that can tell us about the surface of Mars and the atmosphere, et cetera, but we have a, a robotic system, subsystem, as they as they call it, that can collect samples uh, by coring into rocks. So the arm reaches out. We have a special bit on the end of the on the end of the arm, and it cores a piece of rock about the size of a piece of chalk that gets automatically fed into a, a tube. That tube is then put into the belly of the rover where we look at it, make sure we got something in the tube, and then we put a seal on it, and we store it in the belly of the rover, and then we drive on. Wow. Okay. Um, first of all, how do you determine what sample you want to take? Like, I mean, you're not there, obviously. So what kind of factors say, okay, this would be a good spot to grab a sample? First of all, it's, it is a lot like... Doing geology on the Earth, if you're exploring an area, you want to get representative samples of the different rocks that you see. So I'll give an example. When we first landed in this area, Jezero Crater on Mars, we landed on the crater floor itself. So kind of the flat, you know, the flatter sort of safer area. And people had speculated before we landed about what those rocks were. We actually literally didn't know whether they were sedimentary or igneous and what kind. So we drove around, explored, used the instruments on board, and found out that they are igneous, basically a series of lava flows. But there's differences. So we ended up getting four samples 
representing the different sort of types of lava flows and compositions that we came across. So that's one thing. So you want to make sure they're representative. But of course, the other thing is we're there to find evidence, potentially find evidence of ancient life. Right. And this crater was filled with water at one point with a river flowing into it. So we've also explored, since then, we've explored parts of the inside of the crater where there's sedimentary rock that was laid down by the river and that has the best chance of preserving life. So that's another thing that we want to collect is is those rocks that have the best chance of of life ancient life being preserved in them and then the third thing is really just diversity by the end of all this we want to have a whole set of samples that are really different from each other that will give scientists on earth lots to work on for decades and decades to come um searching for life collecting these samples um and I, I was doing some reading on on the website you guys had to be really careful that you didn't accidentally send up some sign of life from earth that you're going to get confused as a sign of life from mars i mean it's a great question like how do you prepare to make sure that what you're getting back is totally martian oh yeah that's a that's a huge part of it and that's that's under what we call planetary protection and there's I mean, there are literally, you know, rules and guidelines that the space agencies follow and international treaties and all that to make sure that we're not, first of all, contaminating Mars with Earth, say, microbes. But in this context, yeah, it's absolutely important that we don't bring along with us Earth bacteria that hitch a ride, especially in those sample tubes yeah. that we put the samples in, and then, you know, spend all this time, and then 10 years later they come back, and then we, we discover life on Mars, but it turns out to be bacteria that hitched a ride from Earth. So there's a there's a lot that goes into that, and there's other things that we're doing on the mission that help us to sort of assess, you know, on the off chance that we did bring contamination, um, and it might not even be bacteria; it may be other other sort of things. But we're we're you know that that's all being considered in this as well. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Okay, so now we've got the samples, we've got them collected, we got them from where we want them. How do we get them back here? Like that 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 just seems like an impossible feat to me. So to me. I rely on the fact that the rover itself is is such a complex piece of engineering, and it's working really, really well, including the sample collection mechanism, <laughs> because those engineers are the people who are working on the next phase, which hasn't been built yet, but the planning is there. And that involves our rover by in about 2027, we'll, we'll have roved around and collected hopefully um, 30 samples in total, having those on board. And we're going to hand them off to a spacecraft that will have landed, we'll rendezvous with it, we'll use our robotic arm to, actually a robotic arm on that spacecraft, we'll grab the samples from our rover and put them into a canister on board of this lander. The canister will be loaded into a rocket on that lander, blasted off the surface of Mars, and the canister then will go into orbit around Mars, where it'll be rendezvoused by an orbiting spacecraft that will catch it, um, turn around, and bring it back to the Earth to land on Earth sometime in wow. 2033. That's mind-blowing. It really, really is. Um, okay, so now we get them back here, assuming everything goes well. Ten years from now, we've got the samples in the lab. How do you get started? What, what are you looking for? I mean, I guess, do you even know? Because this this could be something we've never seen before, technically, possibly, right? Yeah, but uh, but fortunately, so every time we collect a sample, we also have use a different type of drill bit to abrade, to, to scrape off essentially a patch on the rock. And we put the rover instruments, um, the spectrometers on the rock to, to tell us what the rock is made out of and to you know give us an idea of what we've basically put it into the sample tube. So we have all that information, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, doing all the usual kind of writing papers about that, et cetera. Um, 
really what we're doing then in the samples when they come back to Earth is we're following up on the questions that come up, having looked at the data from the rover. Um, and also, but because the rover, has, even though it's very capable, it can't for sure say whether life was there. We, that's where we look, especially at those, you know, most high priorities samples that could have evidence for ancient life. That's when we sort of throw everything that we know of in labs on the Earth to those samples to see if we can um, figure out whether life was ever there. It really is amazing. And uh, Chris, we'll check in again, because I think we'll learn more as we go along here. But I appreciate your time today filling us in on the details. It's, it's fascinating work. Thank you so much.